and you're very welcome along to another edition of News Talks SSE, our Tristy League podcast. Much like Rick Astley, we are never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to run around, but we may actually hurt you. Uh, my name is Richard McCormick. His name is... Rick Astley. And your name is... Chesney Hawks. I can't think of his name. He ruined it, didn't he, with his timing? I ruined it, lads. I'm sorry. Timing's everything, and Dan doesn't have it. I'm so sorry. Nice Daniel Kelly, hello. Uh, Machine language, just in case you were confused. On this like week's me. edition of the show, we're always confused. Uh, Dundalk have stretched their advantage at the top two, four points in the title race. There are five games Ooh. remaining. That 2 on win over Cork City, more of which and on uh, from the big game man, Oshin Langan. Uh, shortly uh, with Dan Murray as well. We'll Sorry, I, sh- I just want to clarify, you said big game, man, right? <laughs> yes, I did. No, it's just, sorry, the parameters of cheap laughs have been changed since Pat Gee's... <laughs> <laughs> since Pat Kenny's... <laughs> oh, I really God. didn't mean that. that is the, that's the definition of a Freudian slip. So, how do you use your gee? <laughs> Ever since Pat Kenny went on the gee butter rant... <laughs> The borders have changed regards cheap laughs. Oh, God. So, since Pat started talking about gee, they've widened, is what you're saying. <laughs> we're better than that. No, we're not. Clearly, we're not. <laughs> Careful uh, then, Mrs. Brown. All oh, right. Uh, where do we even begin with this? Okay, yeah, Dundalk, four points <laughs> clear. They beat Cork 2 1. Uh, we'll speak to Dan Murray about that game as well, and more on the fixture congestion that seems to be plaguing uh, pretty much everybody from top to bottom. Finn Harp's the latest to complain about it, Ollie Horgan. Uh, giving out about during the week even though he's got himself a new deal up at he Finn has Park. another one year contract so he can look forward to more fixture congestion next year I think yeah it's now looking to a point where they are heading towards safety they're nine points clear of Wexford Youths in that uh, playoff spot battle ah, yes, but they still have to play Wexford in Wexford that is true it's one of their remaining four games four points in a week that uh, win uh, over Bray and also a point from St. Pat's has done Finn Harps no harm at all this did week. you see what Shane Keegan has come out and said that if Wexford are basically guaranteed their uh, playoff spot come the last game of the season against Liger Rovers. He won't go to the showgrounds and he will go to the second leg of the first division playoff, which in a way is weird, but it also makes perfect sense. Probably sensible. Yeah. You know, Shane Keegan's a dude who knows what he's doing. We yes. spoke to him last week. He's got a head in his shoulders. He certainly know. does. I'd trust him with this one. I really would. Absolutely. Uh, especially if there's nothing to bleed and play for. Yeah, like that's obviously you have to have something to play for. He will be in the showgrounds, but if not... He'll either be in one of three teams. Yes. By will. the way, I said Harps have four games left. They obviously only have three. Yeah, uh, Obviously. This is what happens when Wexford you only concentrate on the top two like I do. Well, you were in Longford of four. You were there last night. Um, firstly, we'll get to the match in a moment, but you were commenting, uh, you were ranting online about the choice of music at Oriel I Park wasn't ranting. Night. I was complimenting. You were, it was 80s-tastic is what it was up there. It was absolutely fantastic. Hopefully you're going to put together a little playlist here, but we had uh, no. Jason Donovan, Too Many Broken Hearts. In the world, there are too many dreams have been broken in two. Prophetic exactly. for the night ahead. We had uh, 27 in a row lip sync battle champions, Mini Vanilli. Kids, check with your parents. What Does he still have his Grammy? Day. One of them is dead. Day. Yeah. Sorry, I thought Millie was on. Rob or Fab is dead. Says Mr. Music here who doesn't even know. Uh, yeah, because they count as music. Anyway, uh, we had Rick Astley. Frank Farian was the man behind them. He was also the man behind Boney M. Right. There you go. Technically a war criminal, so... Anyway, um, <laughs> let's hear from Stephen Kenny, the Dundalk manager, John Coffey, the Cork City manager, and legendary ex-Dundalk captain John Murphy. He of Dundalk FM. I spoke to him about the game, how this season is being received in Dundalk as a town, how it's changed things in its sporting landscape sense, and also the tactics employed. He was surprised that Cork City kind of let the ball fly in the air quite a lot. They hoofed a bit. Uh, first, though, 
Um, let's get a sample of what the atmosphere was like at packed out Oriel Park, 4,136 in attendance. We were a first half performance, um, obviously. Um, the ball came out of the blocks, you know, we felt the, the free kick was soft, you know, that, you know, that McAlini died, but at the same time, Darrell finished brilliantly and it gave them momentum, lifted the crowd and they were on the, the front foot and uh, it was difficult for us and uh, then obviously he got a cracking second goal and, uh, you know, in a game like this, these things happen and gives them a lift and uh, gives them lots of energy. Half time we decided to change it a bit, Mark came on, scored and, um, you know, it was 2-1 and we were, we were in the game, but, you know, they managed it well in the last 20 minutes and they're a very experienced team and they know when to kill the game and, you know, a lot of things we're learning from but we're not far, too far off but it is frustrating because we thought we could win the match tonight Were you surprised and maybe even disappointed the way there was no one around Daryl once he got past the initial challenge from Greg for that second goal? Yeah we are because normally we defended very well but sometimes in a game like this that shows the composure and your experience where you know we're one down and sometimes guys start chasing the game maybe too early and we were a bit we were a bit uh, open at that period of time when there was no need to because you know one goal and you're back in the game so it was frustrating but to be fair to him it was a cracking shot and uh, you know he scored for 25 yards so you know he gave him his juice it was a great goal but um, you know it, it was frustrating and um, but we had no choice but to move on to Friday night and see can we keep the pressure on they really played intensely tonight they never gave you any time and Shawnee I guess was up front trying to speed off scraps and yeah. he never really looked like he was in the game no he didn't wasn't it was only when Mark came on that he changed things around and it was frustrating and I think so, in some ways we overplayed and we lost balls in dangerous areas and were you a bit nervous tonight or did that surprise you given that you'd beaten them three times already this season yeah maybe so that's your learning experience you know you prepare well all week there was a moment they come with us but sometimes you know big crowd they got the early goal you know they had that experience we haven't and uh, sometimes you know it knocks players and you know I keep saying there's no hiding place in these matches and you can prepare all you want but when guys cross the line we all have to stand up and, and do it and um, you know but to be fair to them they played a high intensity and probably didn't allow us to get into the, the game much and uh, so that's what that was that's what was more disappointing and uh, I'm sure some of the lads are disappointed with their performance but you know they've been fantastic all year we're very close to them but at the same time they are an ex- excellent team and uh, we just have to move on to Friday it's not over but it is out of your hands I know well, they're, they're in the driving seat and they've one hand on the cup all we can do is just see can we get back to winning ways Friday and see can we keep the pressure on but you know obviously if you're a betting man you know there's only one winner at the moment but to be fair Ushing, that's the way it's been all season you know we've always been playing catch up Nor gave us a chance so you know it, it's been frustrating from that point of view but look at we're, we're, we're much closer than we have been in the last two years from a performance point of view from a team point of view but at the same time they've won the, they've won the, the league for the last two years so they're a super team there's no doubt about it John thanks Stephen Kenny Dundalk manager congratulations on a good win and a very good performance yeah a fantastic win we mustn't underestimate that win. That was a brilliant win, and uh, absolutely thrilled. We, you know, kicking the teeth, uh, losing the weekend to Sligo. Um, we, you know, played well, and all of a sudden lost. Played well for spells in the first half, particularly. And we don't lose too many here. Yes, or too many. What to lose three 0 was uh, quite deflating for everyone. So uh, to have to turn it around in a couple of days, and then uh, Cork team that have been prolific. Uh, over the last while to go and, and win in the manner that we did and deservedly won I felt and um, it's a great great night for the town here great night for Dundalk uh, great night for the team 
suppose people might say that was a reaction to the loss against Sligo, but having seen you a good bit this season, I would say that was he just doing what you do. That was he playing the way Dundalk play under Stephen Kenny. Yeah, well, it was frenetic because what's at stake, and it was a windy night, swirling wind. So it wasn't like Cork passed the ball quite well first half as well, and we um, we had that cutting edge in terms of the, the level of pace with Patrick and and, and Daryl Patrick McLennie and Daryl Horgan really driving at the the defence, and Daryl obviously was the difference to two incredible goals really, and uh, um, but our back four were, were immense. I felt. We were just so disappointed to concede the goal we did because our goal wasn't under threat at that stage and we conceded it and then that made a, a real battle but we didn't sit back, we pushed on and Craig actually should have got a toward goal but you know, we'll take the 2-1, it was just a great great victory. One of the things I've noticed about your team regardless of the game or competition this season is that everybody seems to want the ball, they all seem to call, call the ball on themselves and that's something that Irish teams at the moment people are saying that's, that's not the case but it certainly is the case with your side yeah, listen we don't want to be a barometer to sort of criticise anyone else no I wasn't, no, I wasn't no, having to go at the Irish no, team with but, that but just generally but yeah I think I think yeah one of the things about about all our players is that we ask them to receive the ball in every area of the park yeah. and have the courage to do that but it's all very well saying that the players are the ones that have the courage to do that and we have a very very courageous team uh, and in, in two different ways one is that they they always want the ball in all areas of the park and the second thing is that they're willing to put their bodies on the line for each other as a team and you've seen that tonight it was a bit frenetic the match at times but our defending our willingness to work for each other and to sacrifice themselves for each other that that, that was very inspiring yeah. the dark cloud over the horizon is the fixture pile up that's going to be hard to handle regardless of how good or deep a squad you have and it's, it's not actually that deep it's good but it's not actually that deep well like it's it's just wrong you know that that the league has not been extended to Sunday or Monday bank holiday Monday uh, so so it's, it's just absolutely wrong I think yeah but it's so disappointing just a lack of uh, lack of vision really because it means you might end up having an understrength team against Zenit realistically if you're talking about winning the league you know so because you've got to go um, now Friday, Monday in the league, Shamrock Rovers, Longford, and then and then Zenit towards and then three and five days Sunday, Tuesday. I mean to play two and twenty forty hours and then Friday. So like that's the, that's something that you would never envisage because you worked so hard to get into Europa League. Um, Have you had any correspondence on that? Have you went and yeah, saw? Yeah, we've asked. We've asked this yeah. question, you know, ten times, you know, but it's just decisions been made, so we have to. But listen. Tonight is not a night for complaining. I think tonight is uh, a night for rejoicing and the way that the players played and, and and being inspired by that. And I think one of the things that that we have to do now is go to Shamrock Rovers on Friday and put in a big performance. Have to have the energy levels that we had tonight. And you know, you're right. It is the value of the squad. We lost Karen Duff, Robbie Benson, Sean Gannon with, with the schedule over the last week. Today, Gabriel Sava came in first league game of the season. Alan Keane came in first league game of the season, and uh, they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And Kieran O'Connor came in, come off the bench. He hadn't been in the squad, so yeah. uh, big part. So young local player come through the system here. So um, great, uh, great night because the level of passion was very, very inspiring. I thought, you know, from the crowd, they really, you know, you see that the rawness about the, about Dundalk as a town. You really see it come alive and people really loved our football in a passionate way it's great to see that
great atmosphere, great occasion, and I say that as a Cork City fan as well. Yeah. So it's hard for me to say right now. But anyway, um, it was a tough call, no doubt, to, to, to replace Gary uh, with Sava. Obviously, it's, it's a call you felt you had to make as a manager, but I'm sure it wasn't easy. No, it's not, maybe maybe we would have won anyway with Gary, you know. So I think that's maybe that would have happened anyway, you know, because Gary, Gary, Gary's been brilliant for us. We lost one game last season in the League and Cup, nearly 50 games, and Gary played every one of them. And um, he's been called into the international team, voted goalkeeper of the year. So it's not a... I don't want to be... You know, I think it's just... You know, you, you know, Gabby... Gabby's been here three years, and uh, he, he played uh, he played against Hajik Split when we won. He played in the League Cup final a couple of seasons ago against uh, Shamrock Rovers when we won. So he, he's just uh, showing a great temperament to come in. It's not easy when you're not playing and keeping yourself going for a full season like that. Very very difficult on the morale, and he's desperate to play. Comes in and trains every day and wants to desperate to play. So sometimes you just have to pick it on merit in that particular time. And uh, Gabby, Gabby's really in good form in the in the, uh, the two semi-finals against Derry, and got a nod. Yeah. I'm sure during the week it'll be an interesting dynamic in training as Gary and Sava try and get the number one position for Rovers on Friday night. Yeah, well, I think. Um, listen, yeah, I'm lucky to have the squad I have. I think the players are all good people, and uh, they've been shown their qualities and their character in the last few weeks and we need to show that now over the next couple of weeks to, to go and win what well, would be creating history within three in a row that, that's our ambition John Murphy former Dundalk captain we've spoken mostly after European games actually about the atmosphere of those matches and the occasion tonight it's a league game yeah. but the atmosphere was absolutely stunning as Dundalk beat Cork City 2-1 and go Four points clear at the Four top points, of five yeah. games to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, the night's atmosphere took me back to the Celtics, the Spurs, uh, European nights that was here in Oriel Park. Very few uh, league nights like this, but and the, the night, four and a half thousand people, they, they were the twelfth man for Dundalk, they cheered them on to the very end, and that's what got Dundalk over the line, as well as the brilliant football and brilliant display. Stephen Kenny has said that Dundalk can be a boisterous town. He means this as a compliment. Obviously, sometimes that can be a bad thing if you're under pressure as a manager and results aren't going your way. But it's going well at the moment and people are behind the team. How much of an impact has this had on Dundalk as a town? Dundalk's run this season and their success over the last couple of seasons? Well, I, I, I go around the town... Uh doing a wee bit of shopping and stuff like that I used to go up and be home in five minutes it's taken me an hour and a half now because ladies, women, kids want to know what about the game last night, we were listening into the radio and so forth and uh, there's no more Manchester United jerseys there's no more Liverpool jerseys they're all black and white and dark jerseys and that shows you the culture that uh, Stephen Kenny has taken into this club, I was talking to Liam Coyle the very first weeks that Stephen Kenny came to the, the club and I asked, what we, what's the difference? What, what will he make with the, out of this team that were nearly relegated in Waterford? He'd say he'd change the whole culture and he'd sign players that were never heard tell of and make them into a team. That was three years ago and by God his, his words have come true. Talk to me about tonight's performance. Yes. Very, very solid. Took the goals well but did all the 
I was going to say dirty stuff, but the hard stuff that you need to do to win football matches and leagues. Yeah, in, in my preview, uh, uh, no disrespect to Cork, but I, uh, I played against them so often the Toners crossed myself, and they were always a physical team that didn't play that much football. But the dogs showed that by playing football you can win the game, and I think that's what won the game for them. We, we, we played the better football while Cork were hoofing, hoping, rather than uh, getting it done right. I'm surprised by that, because Cork have the players who can get it down and play. Well, I mean, I'm surprised that Greg Bulger, because he played so deep that he couldn't get a penetrating pass there and a killer pass, as I'd call it. You know, and uh, I was very surprised at his position in sense there. But delighted to see it as well. Yeah. And that might be because of Dundalk, because they pressed up so high and played at such high intensity. It was hard for City to do anything, so your natural instinct then maybe is to drop back. Yeah, well, Dundalk like to play a high lane like that. You know, and uh, as you've seen at the back, that Dundalk, uh, as Cork were kicking long, well, it was into Dundalk's barrel because we had two centre-halves there with have headaches tonight Brian Joplin and Andy Boyle with all the balls they headed away and no disrespect to Shawnee Maguire but you wouldn't know he was playing there tonight yeah. you know and he's their leading goal scorer and I think I think the work was done by keeping the, 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 the winger uh, Dooley and Maguire quiet and uh, I must mention John Mountney who doesn't get much talk or praise sorry but uh, he, he more or less uh, done a great defensive job there tonight by not allowing Dooley to get a, to, to get a service. It's Dundalk's league now, isn't it? Four points ahead, five games to go. We don't count our chickens yet in Dundalk, but it's, it's in our hands and I don't think we let it go. You might give us the cup. Thanks very much. God bless. Atmosphere must be said, and that, that came across even uh, watching it on TV. I don't know uh, about yourself, Oshie. You're probably impressed by the uh, the Aura Park massive, best atmosphere of the season so far. Yeah, better than the cross. Keep in mind that was my first trip to Oriel Park, and what a what a time to make your first trip. The to league around aficionado, Oshie Langan. Yeah, I'm okay with being a casual fan. I'm totally fine with it. Uh, the reason I haven't kind been to Oriel Park away any credence from this podcast, but yeah. that's fine. What did you How? think of the pitch? Hold on a second. Well, the pitch was terrible. Well not a pitch really when you think about it uh, like it is though no, come on it's not grass it's, it's a, a pitch it's, a it's pitch. not a pitch it's a pitch that is not a football pitch it is it's a football pitch it's green and has football markings on it it's a football it's pitch it's coloured green okay like a, like a stinger <laughs> like if I bar. went out and got peroxide Go put on. in my hair I wouldn't be peroxide I'd be coloured peroxide right? no no like a, bro- like a blonde highlights I'd have blonde highlights I wouldn't be naturally blonde the peroxide will scorch out whatever you have remaining the blonde might make you even look more bold. Hunt them down one by one. Like Fred Durst. All right, partner. Keep on rolling, baby. This isn't the best follically podcast. Follically, we're, we're a very follically challenged podcast. We are. In her in it. Ocean's not going to admit that, though. Yeah. No. I'm going to hang on in there. I gladly will. I'm, you know, I'm delighted to be rid of it. Payton Harris having her. Yeah. Well, it's not like I have to manage a whole pile of it, so I'm like, it doesn't bother me. Anyway, I'm sure Quick people lick of the really, hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bobby Trouton style, just rolling uh, down exactly, the way. Yeah. Oh, what do you think people notice? Uh, I really don't think people care about our self-indulgent hair talk. Yeah. 
Right, let's join another Dan because obviously this is the No Dans podcast, No Dans plural. So we've got one gone. We've got another one coming in now. Dan Murray, formerly of Cork City and Shamrock Rovers. He's not in on this joke because it was recorded earlier. Uh, Dan, City hoofed it a lot last night, didn't they? Um, well, yeah, well, I think especially the first half, I think John Corporal said it himself. I think it's, it's probably the worst they've played for a few weeks, really, in the first half. They never really uh, really got into the game and Dundalk put them under pressure and deservedly uh, was winning at half-time. But like you said, I think uh, like we, we don't like going on about the pitch, but it definitely is a lot different for Cork City. I don't think Cork City, well, even when I was there, we never liked going up there and playing on that pitch. But there was a lot of long balls. I think they, they caused more uh, trouble to Dundalk, to be honest, when they went a little bit more direct when Markey came on. So a bit harsh to say they were ho- hoofing it a bit, but... Uh, it was, it was when Cork was the most effective is when they were playing a little bit more direct. It is a strange thing though that I suppose it's almost a frazzling of the nervous system when you get confronted with that pitch in that Cork's best stuff this year has come from playing a bit of uh, more considered football. Yes, you can be direct but you can be direct without perhaps going aerial. Uh, it seemed that this game, the surface, the circumstance possibly got into Cork's heads even before they set foot on the pitch last night. Yeah, it seemed to. I think, I think they were a, a little bit, uh, I think a little bit, I don't know, Bit nervous at the start of the match, or whatever. I think it was. I think it it, it was. It wasn't like a league decider as uh, we the uh, Cork and Dundalk played in 2014. But I think everyone knew how important it was. If uh, I think, to be honest, if if Cork could have come away with 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 a draw, I think they would have been in the in in a great position even with a, a point behind going into the last five games because uh, with Dundalk playing. The, the amount of games that they've got and big games I think uh, it, Cork were just getting a little bit of momentum but Dundalk you have to give them massive pressure I think the energy levels that they showed from especially the midfield and strikers was pretty impressive to be honest and I don't think Cork probably were I don't know if they weren't ready for it or they just probably they started a little bit too slowly for the type of game that was it was going to be to be honest I remember a couple of weeks ago someone writing that while Dublin won the All-Ireland final, Mayo were the story. It's kind of the same here. Dundalk won the match, but Cork are the story. John Murphy, the legendary former Dundalk captain and uh, Dundalk FM commentator, spoke to us a little bit earlier on. And he said he was surprised to see Greg Bulger play so deep. He said it never really gave him the chance to set up a killer pass. Were you surprised with that as well? Um, well, t- t- from watching him uh, t- this year, I think uh, Greg does tend to get a little bit too deep, especially when side are not playing uh, so well and they've been when they've been like drawing games in Turners Cross he, he tends to get very deep almost in between the two centre halves and it doesn't give him the impetus to, to push up the pitch I think uh, I know speaking to the John Cotter every now and again uh, that they definitely know that and they know, know need to get Greg further up the pitch in, in some of the games but he was, de- he was definitely a little bit too I think the whole team was deep if you look at uh, Daryl Horgan's second goal that that was <laughs> the, the space that he had he, he ran 50 yards before How before, does that happen Dan? Yeah. I mean because it, I watched it back today and I was there last night and I thought then and I thought watching it back that's inexcusable how can City allow a gap that big to be created? Yeah well uh, I was exactly the same I was, I was surprised that they, they left so much space there I think uh, especially if you, if you look at their goals against record for the whole season it's been and brilliant and 
for them to get caught. So I don't know if the two fullbacks so far up the pitch is definitely not like a, a John Caulfield side. They they definitely don't tend to push too many bodies forward. It'd be one or the other. But to leave Greg Bolger one on one with Daryl Horgan and then him able to run at your two centre halves and it looked almost a three v two by the time Daryl smashed it in the top corner. But it was, that, I think that, that that was the that that was very surprising. I don't know if they were chasing the game, thinking they had chased the game when they were one 0 down or something like that. Where 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 whereas they should have just been get to half time one 0 down because they were playing as poor as they've probably paid for the last month or so. And if they'd gotten at one one nil at half time, John could have a few stern words and changed it a little bit. And like I said, second half they're, they're a lot better. But two 0 down away to Dundalk, you're definitely not coming back from that. There was a sense that I got watching the match last night, Dan, that there's not necessarily a lack of leadership on the pitch, but there's a lack of experience at being in these positions and getting to this point in the league and being able to be so clinical as to close it out. I mean, there's players, obviously, it's kind of clear in the Dundalk side that are used to doing this year in and year out. Now they get to the business end of the season, they can put games away with Cork. There seems to be still that stumbling block. Is it a mental issue? Is it a player? Because you kind of see the signing of, of Dave Mulcahy bringing him back into the side and what he can bring to a squad. It's that kind of, I suppose, that impetus to drag people over the line and, and get get those results when most needed. It seems to be slightly lacking at this end of the season for them. Um, yeah, maybe. Like I say, I think, uh, to, to be honest, I think the worst thing that happened to Cork was Sligo beating Dundalk on, on Saturday, really. I think as soon as I see... It's brilliant. It was a result for Cork City winning up there, and but when Sligo beat Dundalk, that was I, I wouldn't. I don't think any every team would have, wouldn't have fancied playing Dundalk after that. So I think that was the worst thing that could have happened to Cork. Really, come especially going to Dundalk. But I don't know if it's a mental thing with Cork City. I think it's uh, like you say. I think uh, it was probably the first time that they've been close enough during probably the whole season when you've gone right if, if we can win we're going to be top of the league and we're going to be they would arguably have been the favourites to uh, go and go and win the league which hasn't happened for arguably the three years since they've been challenging each other so so maybe that was in their heads and I think I think they, the, the first goal in the big big games is uh, just defines you can look at every league in the world arguably that the first goal defines sort of how the game's going to go. And when Dundalk scored that, scored that goal, I think uh, Cork City were like, "Oh, that that was <laughs> that wasn't in the plan that they over the over the last few weeks." So I think I want- that was the the most disappointing thing that that they, like you said, they they needed to get to half time, only one nil down, and then you, you're still in the match. I think everyone keep you, you keep talking about it. Dundalk had it exactly the same. In Europe, when they played bait, uh, away from home, they got absolutely battered, but they stayed in the match and took it back to the second leg and battered bait, bait at home and, and deservedly got through. So I think if they'd stayed in the game for longer, I think, they, like you say, you, you, you might, they might have grabbed a draw. But yeah. when it went 2-0, I think uh, they were chasing the game and like Dundalk could have, could have had a couple of goals on the counter as, as well as Cork might have nicked a couple of goals but uh, like you say Dundalk are in, in the box seat now but uh, hopefully Cork will uh, win the next five games and put the pressure right back back on Dundalk On TV last night Trevor Crawley was particularly um, critical I suppose you'd say of, of, of McNulty and the Cork goal for the concession of that first goal I don't know how much blame you'd 
perhaps put on him. I, I'm guessing from your allegiances down there, you wouldn't be keen to put too much on him. But did he deserve some of the harsh criticism that he got uh, for that concession? Um, well, like you say, I think it, when it comes, he definitely couldn't do anything about anything about it hitting him or anything like that. That was definitely not. But I, I would say the probably the, this it wasn't right in the top 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 corner when you mm-hmm. decide, yeah, that's you don't save them, and he, he's unlucky. I think he, when looking back at it, he, he's as critical as anyone. I'd say he might have got a, got across a little, little bit quicker and and maybe uh, got a hand to it, but. Like, well, I'm not a goalkeeper to to tell him how to do it. I think, uh, knowing notes how I do, I think he'd be critical of himself. But uh, it's like he's hit he's hit the free kick. Well, I don't think you can yeah. like when it hits you yeah. hits you on the back. You just have damn. To... What we're saying here is that Richie's being a tabloider, trying to <laughs> assign blame yeah. and get a sensational line out of you, Richie. And That's I don't harsh. know. I don't know what you do in Bulls, but uh, well, we in Cork City don't stand for that sort of thing. Yeah, cl- especially, especially when I'm in Cork as well. I exactly. To, to Cork, <laughs> and, and clearly it's never been the business of a centre-half to bark at a goalkeeper for anything. Well, I've never well, seen that I, in my if life. I, if I was playing centre-half, I'd definitely be blaming him. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, there's no such thing as lifting a free kick over the wall when you're in it, Dan, so that's uh, that wouldn't have happened last night. Yeah. Come here, just before we let you go, Cork City obviously playing uh, Dundalk in the Cup Final on November 6th at the Aviva. Um, should John Coffey look at last night and say, right, I need to change it for this cup final. I need to maybe start with Marco Sullivan and uh, try and get, try and set it up for the entire game the way they set it up for the second half last night or most most of it anyway. Uh, well, obviously, that's the next game you'll be going to watch in the league. Well, yeah, that's the next big one. Is there other big, games big after game. this last no, night? I no, I Not that you'll be going to, no. anyway. But. Apparently, there are other teams in this league aside from <laughs> Dundalk and Cork City. There are teams in something called sixth position. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't laugh. Anyway, don't laugh. Dan, please. Um, no, I, 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 no, I don't think so. I think uh, Shawnee Maguire has been so good up front by himself for the majority of the, the season. Top goal scorer in the league. Yeah. I think... It like I, to be to be honest, I think the if we you could pick the two elevens that will start the cup final now. Obviously, depending on suspensions and injuries, but you could pick the two strongest. But does he set it up differently tactically? Uh, to I don't think, like if Juventus is such such a big pitch, uh, I don't think yeah. you could possibly get away with playing two centre forwards. Okay, so you kind of you you try and get more width in the team, try and get. Dooley and O'Connor pushing up and Beatty pushing up trying to get... Yeah, well, well, Matt, like, like you say, that Cork didn't play well. Didn't play as well as they've been playing the last week. You look at the Galway game, they scored four cross, four goals from Cole Shepherd crossing the ball into the box. So it's not like there's there's a lack of whip or anything like that. They just definitely didn't play how they could have played on uh, uh, last night. And I think when they're going into the cup final, if... Like they definitely, it'll definitely be a totally different game. They probably they won't start. I well, I'd hope they wouldn't start as slowly as they started last night, and they'll they'll put it up to Dundalk, which they have in the, the games previous to to last night, where where Cork had uh, managed to beat them three times. Yeah, but like you mentioned, Dan, have a long winding road before we get to the Aviva. Five games remaining for both Cork and Dundalk in this title race. Uh, but for the moment, I'm sure we'll speak to you before the season's end, Dan. Uh, but it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Uh, Dan Murray, ex-Cork City and Shamrock Rovers. Dan, Dan, catch you for a prawn sandwich sometime. Not a book. Can't wait for it. <laughs> it's intermission time. We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often. 
Dan Murray there speaking about Cork's defeat and that's what it feels like more than a Dundalk win Hi guys I'm back Real clunky Thanks Stopped you on the steps Okay There's there's no point he's back there now The yeah. steps are better best forgotten <laughs> I've never seen Richie lose it <laughs> This much Richie's, at the mere mention of a band. Richie's having just one of these days. It's like their sixth best song. <laughs> and yet straight away, you're just right in there. It's true. Oh, God. My joke was only a heartbeat away. Baby. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to we go can with cut this out. We can cut out my knowledge of steps, right? No. That's oh, of course, this is live. Of all the things that stays in, you loving steps is... is, is I didn't is say I love them. I said I had the knowledge of them. You bloody well love the I steps. I don't. Well, I love certain steps. Dan Murray not having anything of your hoofing assertion there, Rushing. Dan is wrong. It wasn't necessarily hoofing, I wouldn't say. There was a lot of aimless long balls. You could see there was a lack of options. And any time they did try and get it out to the fullbacks, Dundalk were pressing up so high it made it very difficult on them. Sean Maguire was very isolated. He was. It's an interesting point that was raised. Um, was it last Sunday? I was listening to. I was actually off, but they were talking about the the Ireland game where they wanted to get off too much of a tangent. Uh, they were talking to Kevin Kilban about the tactics during uh, the first of our qualifiers last week against Georgia, and he was he was asked in training, "Do you practice long balls?" And Kilban's like, "No, you don't. Like, because why would you?" Plan B. Yeah, but like it's panicky not even, plan. It's B. not even a plan B. It's it's just Panicking. knocking it long for the sake yeah. of knocking it long and just kind of mm. maybe hoping that something might come off. I can is... understand them knocking it long when Marco Sullivan came in. Although strangely yeah, enough, yeah, as Dan yeah, pointed yeah. out rightfully, okay, maybe I went a bit overboard in saying that it was all hoofing, and Dan was actually quite right. There was there was a lot of a lot of a, attempt at play, but if they'd started with Marco Sullivan, then I could understand them understand them playing it long because you've someone to to knock it down or get under it even though Mark isn't actually that tall he is still a good man to win a header and, it can be, yeah, and use his strength in the air without being tall yeah. necessarily so yeah Marco Sullivan did prove his worth like Shawnee Maguire was badly isolated last night That's he's not I don't know he's not he's not a one up on his own it, kind of it striker. reminded me of when do, do you remember when Feyenoord played Manchester United in the Champions League and David Connolly was up front on his own that's what it reminded me of I remember in USA 94 when we played with Tommy Coyne oh, wow, up yeah. front on his own ploughing alone for all of their which is, you know, up against the might of Holland in 94. It was really going to do the trick for us, wasn't it? Yeah. Not that I'm still angry about that at all. No, you've left that goal. It was 22 years ago. Let it go. 4-5-1. Come on. In the World Cup, it's not going to get anywhere. I don't care if we beat Italy. Let it go. I probably should let it go. We'll move on. Yeah, sad week for Finn Harps, actually, because uh, Kevin McHugh, who was in his second spell at the club, he played with them from 98 to 2005, then went to Oma Town, Derry City, Linfield, and came back in 2010, has been forced to retire after a I suppose what you call a freakish injury. Uh, Kevin, we will talk about your career in a little bit, but first, you might tell us what happened. I suppose it was this time last week. Um, I was coaching uh, a soccer academy that I run, and basically was going to get another goal from over the fence, and Roy Winger caught, and uh, obviously the rest is history. The, the finger completely came off. Um, it was just this happened in a split second, actually, you know. So it's one of those things. Um, I don't know. It's not something you can look out for, um, or or kind of try and and try and kind of figure out. But it happened. Um, it happened very quickly, and there's not much I could do about it, you know. Did you realise how serious the situation? Well, obviously you did because your finger was off. But you actually drove yourself 
to hospital. And when you tweeted the picture, I thought, oh, Kevin's having a laugh here. There's no way that that's as bad as it looks. But it was every bit as bad as it looked. Yeah, there was a lot of people thought that as well. Um, they didn't. They were contacting me via private texts and things and phoning me. And um, obviously, I couldn't answer the call because I was on the on kind of on, on medical bed at that stage. But they didn't realise how serious it was. But yeah, I, I was nearly like instant acceptance of yeah, this is this is serious because I could tell by the two boys that were along with their faces, they were they were in pretty bad state. So I says, right, this is bad. And um, my, my own children were out in the astroturf and only about another sixty kids. And the last thing you want is your own kids to see your hand like this or my own thoughts was I can't pass out and lie and be kind of be carried by other people to the hospital in front of my own kids because it would probably scare them for life. So I knew I had to get out of there as quick as I, I could, and that's just what I done. You know, I just I made it from the bottom of the the, the, the pitch right up to the car and got in and drove off. You know, Kevin. One of the most remarkable aspects of this is obviously that you drove yourself in that condition to the hospital, which is is unreal but the speed of thought that you seem to have and I suppose when you get thrown into these moments of crisis that can happen where the brain starts working at a different speed uh, than it ordinarily would do you're thinking you need to get to the hospital you think you need to get this sorted and en route as well uh, you realise that you've left the finger unfortunately behind you That's when I well I suppose I was on the phone to my, my, my wife and I was telling her to leave work uh, I need to leave work very quickly um, I said there's nothing majorly wrong but I said I need you to come quickly because I'll be probably in hospital for a few days and she, she couldn't get her head around it you know and I says I'm, I'm serious because I would usually be joking about things and she said, I says I'm very very serious I said Anya I need to leave work get get over to the letter Kimmy and collect the two kids and she kind of knew it was serious at the time I, said, I thought she wasn't taking it in so I was obviously taking a picture at that time to, to send there to tell her how serious it was you know um, but I got to the hospital no problem you know um, waiting in traffic, um, going up the, the hill towards the hospital wasn't, wasn't the nicest moment, you know. When you're stuck in traffic and you're, you can't get around them and your hands kind of uh, bleeding profusely, you know. So uh, I got there in time, and I. Kevin, uh, I know this will sound like a very morbid question, but what is the state of your hand right now? We, we've seen the pictures on Twitter of your hand in the cast. Has there been a full amputation of the finger? Is it above one of the joints? What exactly is the state of it right well, now? On, on Thursday morning um, in Galway, when I was waiting on the, the surgeons, they, like I was quite hopeful because I heard the, such good good word about the, the people in Galway. Um, and I was quite hopeful that they would be able to reattach the finger because we, we obviously got the finger up from the, the pitch to the hospital in good time and they got it nice and they were able to take care of it. So I thought there'd be no problem reattaching it, but... The, the bit of bone you would see in the, in the picture that I would have tweeted, that actually isn't me, me, part of my finger. That actually came up from my knuckle. So I only found this out on Thursday morning. So obviously the whole the whole finger was gone. And there's a lot of a lot of tendons and nerves and things severed by the, the, the ring. So they explained to me there's there's nothing they could do for me. You know, so that was hard to take on Thursday morning just before you're being wheeled in to get the operation, you know, so... That was, that was probably the biggest disappointment, never mind the pain of it all. It was just the biggest disappointment, knowing that you were going to be left no finger, you know. But they, they've, they've taken, obviously, a part, they've taken a part of my, my, my arm here to try and to try and save part of my finger. Um, I'm not sure what they've done because, as you said, they've wrapped it here now. And even, even as I'm looking at it now, it's just completely wrapped. 
and I don't know what's underneath, to be honest. Um, so I'm down next week in Galway, and once they unwrap it and see how it's healing, um, I suppose it'll, it'll be happening a wee bit harder then, you know. Have they given you a time frame, Kevin, on, on how long this process is going to take? Or No, I suppose I'll know we've got more uh, on on Tuesday next down in Galway, so and they'll, they'll explain a wee bit more to me and what's, what's the process or what is there any physio involved. Well, I doubt there'll be any physio involved because there's nothing too physio with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, it's just a matter of dealing physically or mentally, kind of looking up the, the hand without the finger, you know, so... One of the things you mentioned, the, the, the term almost instant acceptance when you decided you were going to get into the car and drive to the hospital, etc. Yeah. Um, part of that stemmed from, I don't know if one thing led into the other, you're kind of live tweeting of it on each step of the process you've gone on. And even to be speaking to us here, I mean, this is far sooner than I would have expected to be speaking to a footballer who's lost a finger. I mean, it, it seems that something, if the more people you've had around you, whether they you know them or not, to get you through this thing seems to have been a massive help to you. Ah, oh, there's no doubt about it. Like even even Twitter when they were like literally and, and this is no joking, they were literally pumping morphine into one arm and they were they were kinda washing the wound down in the other hand and I still had my uh phone uh flicking through it and the nurses and doctors were quite happy for me to flick through and uh, tweet away. They didn't know it was on Twitter obviously, but they just as long as my mind was being kept active from that uh, an oxygen mask on at the time, so um it was it was able to keep me awake. And people tweeting and just replying to them, and so uh, definitely was a big help when I look back, you know. And just the level of support as well, coming from all corners. I mean, within Jesus, within hours of this happening, I suppose this was going viral in the states. There was dead spin and stuff picked it up. It was it was pretty much no, everywhere. It was crazy. The the, the surgeon that, that that dealt with me, I can't remember his first name now, but um, in Galway, he was he he says we were waiting on you because I got a Facebook message from. Australia or something, say, are you dealing with this? Uh, are you dealing with this patient, you know? So I went the whole way to Australia as well. It's crazy, you know. Kevin, I guess, you know, you're dealing now as well with retiring from Finn Harps and I saw a tweet from Chris McNulty, well-known journalist in Donegal. He says, such a shame that Finn Park won't get to see Kevin McHugh in competitive action again for Finn Harps. Best player my generation has known or seen. Very nice of him to say that. Um, I suppose that's that's one of the things he he didn't I didn't plan to end this way, but I suppose everybody has plans and they never work out. So, and I'm no different to anybody else. So, obviously, you would like to have been on the pitch saying your goodbyes, but that's not going to be. No one knows what's around the corner for them, you know. So, um, I had a good long stunt at it. That's 18, 19 years in the League of Ireland. So, without having a major injury, and obviously the last three weeks. I've got the biggest injury I've ever had, so um, that's one of those things. And I'll, I'll deal with it as quick as I can. I'm back coaching since uh, Saturday and Sunday, so I'm not going to. It's not going to stop me from doing what I want to do, if you know what I mean. Yeah, how but, important is that that you are able to, by the sense of it, go back to your normal life as we speak? You're off to collect your kids. Uh, you're mm-hmm. coaching again. You're you're tweeting away. I mean, did you make a conscious decision that right? This is it from now on. This is my life. I'm just going to get on with it. I I suppose that's one of those things and um, I can only speak for myself. I like obviously close friends with like Mark Farn and uh, I have my own uncle who lost his wife very young with cancer and different stuff. So I have a lot of a lot of people who went through a hell of a lot worse than me. Um and I suppose that helps you kinda man up very quickly and just kinda you don't feel sorry for yourself because you're sitting looking at those people and going, Jesus, they would only love to be in my position, you know what I mean? 
So that kind of things going through those kind of um, situations definitely help you in, in this situation. So um, I definitely, I'm not one to feel sorry for me for myself, and I don't want other people to feel sorry for me. So that's one of those things. I'll definitely just get on with it, you know. Kevin, the incident uh, has fast forwarded your your retirement by a few weeks. How long had you how long had you this in your head? Was it always your plan to play one last season of yeah. of uh, Premier Division football within Harps? Yeah, to be fair, I know the the headline um, the kind of headline grabber saying he's forced to retire. But to be honest, I was retiring in two or three weeks anyway. So, um, like, what am I missing? Two or three games, and the club are. Well, not mathematically safe, but we're, 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 I'd be pretty shocked if we don't stay up now at this stage. So we're in a good position that way. So I don't, uh, I don't have any regrets uh, in terms of football because every, suppose every decision I've made in my football career was my own. Whether I left the club or stayed and who I, who I joined and I can always look back with pride on that, you know. Is this the end of uh, of uh, your footballing career? Obviously, you're uh, you're very lucky to be in a position that. Even though this has fast forwarded your retirement by a few weeks, it's it's far from a career ending injury. Would you even think of going back and playing junior football in Donegal? Oh, so the third day I'll be I'll be playing some kind of junior football. Um, obviously, I don't know. I suppose I'll know uh, next week when I'm allowed to go back running and training. And um, but definitely, it's been my life since no age, and it's all I can, it's all I remember doing, and so I've been obviously it's me the biggest interest I have in my life. So. I'll definitely go back to him at some level, um, and I'll be continuing on my, my coaching badges. I'm in the middle of my, my A license at the minute, so um, I'm in Dublin next month for that as well again. So that's uh, plenty of things to keep me going. So um, uh, involved with football, and yeah. no doubt I'll, I'll be I'll stay involved. You know. Kevin, I was lucky enough to see you play a couple of times this season. When you came on, you had kind of added a level of control to the Finn Harps performance. You love the ball at your feet. You love to use the ball. You love bringing the ball upon yourself so when you're coaching kids is that what you're trying to coach them to do because I guess there's an image of Finn Harps in the Bally Buffet pitch not being the best that you know you're a kind of a, a kick and rush side but you're the complete opposite of that so are you trying to teach the kids that and how difficult is it when maybe we have a different football philosophy in our heads is, is, is that way of describing the control saying I have no pace anymore is it <laughs> I would say you're smart with how you move <laughs> the, the first five yards are in your head kind of thing, yeah. you know how to, yeah, yeah, you have yeah. a good reading of the game. Yeah, well, I suppose that comes with playing for a long time. You do, you have a good reading. You don't have to do as many, make as much runs as, as you usually do, you know, or wasteful runs. Um, yeah, I, w- I would like to think the, the game has evolved. It's actually when I went over the 30 mark. And obviously, you can see different pictures and you can see them a wee bit quicker. And that's that's the kind of game I always love. And it obviously comes with playing along with better players as well. When I was at Derry and even at Excellentfield and Son Harps, when you're playing along with better players, you see what they're doing. And sometimes it doesn't quite come instantly. It just it happens, it evolves kind of over time. And it helps you in your in your long-term game. But uh, that's the kind of player I, I've been when I was younger. When I broke into the team, it was more about pace and getting over the top and chasing down. But um, I definitely worked more on the um, back to goal. Scenario, um, and I could never understand these strikers who, who are described as world class and can't play with their back to goal. I think if you're world class, you have to be able to get in behind and play with your back to goal. But um, you see these players on TV all the time who can't play with their back to goal, which baffles me, you know. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, that's the kind of stuff you'd be you'd be coaching kids. Um, three skill school we run, and it's, it's, it's the basics. Getting the basics right is everything to me, and it's everything to the coaches that I work with. So, and we'll continue to do that, you know. And when you look at a team like Dundalk, and you look at your own career, and the fact that you know you were, as I say, a good man with the ball at your feet and all that as well, do you think you? we could see more of that in the league. Do you think you'd like to see managers encourage more of that? Because we've seen with Dundalk and Cork City at times this season and yourself that it is possible to do it. Good football is more than possible, but sadly in, in this league we seem to put more stock into physicality and going direct. Well, you know, you know what's the belief? Success, success, like Stephen Kenny's been successful, now he won in the league a certain way. And it's probably groundbreaking in the last couple of years where it's got publicity in Europe and things. But if you if you if you want to lead a certain way, other managers are going to copy it. Whether you be physical, long ball, you use people over the top. But Stephen Kenny is like total football, um, and that that I think it's definitely groundbreaking in the in the league Ireland, and it has even got recognition from other countries. And long may it last that other managers see. You know what? I have to kind of scrap what I've been doing and go back to the drawing board and say here we, we can play football a different way mm. it's not obviously not ticky-tacky football but realistic football and and, and does that influence the kids you coach as well when they see that on TV do they want to play that and it makes it maybe your job a bit easier to, 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 to coach them that way well the, the, the FAI development plan is all about technical football and, and playing the 4-3-3 and playing through the lines etc and obviously, when you're coaching that for years and you've gone up through the levels, they they question. Obviously, when Travis Tony was involved, people used to question kids at 11 and 12. Used to question me, going, "But sure, what's the point? Us doing this? Look at look at the way the international team is playing." So sometimes you have to laugh going home in the car, going, "That 11-year-old's 100% right." You know, yeah. there's no point in every level doing it if the top level can't be doing it. You know, so. Maybe maybe it'll not happen this term. I know it's all about success at the higher level, but um, if the likes of Stephen Kenny can can get success domestically and in Europe by playing good football, um, and to me, he's earned respect for the rest of the clubs if they get into Europe and then over the next few years and um, Dundalk, they, they will respect teams, so they might give you that extra yard of space as well. So um, it's groundbreaking. I, I feel definitely the past twelve months of the League Ireland. And just before we let you go, Ollie Horgan has today agreed a new deal with Finn Harps. He'll be with them until the end of the 2017 season. I'm assuming, firstly, you approve, and secondly, you might tell us what makes Ollie Horgan the manager he is. Um, he's, his dedication is second to none. Um, I know he, he plays this game that he's always playing down the, our chances and opposition. That's just the way he is and who he is, and I don't think he'll change that. But he's... He's uh, attention to detail, second to none, um, without a doubt. And the way he sets us up, the, I know people don't like it at times, but they more or less um, kind of cancel out all our team's strength. And it's massive. Um, and it, it has definitely helped us stay in the Premier Division. And he's a, he's a, he's a really likeable bloke as well. You, you'd love playing for him. Um, and he knows the scene. Um, he never leaves any stone unturned, so there's a lot of pluses going for him. Obviously, he'll he'll he'll, he'll learn from this year in terms of the, the tempo of the, the Premier Division and the way teams play. Um, so uh, you would expect to be a bit better next year from from our team from start to finish. But 
there's no doubt Ollie. he's a quick learner um, and he'll be hopefully he'll be a league Ireland manager for, for, for a long while you know Kevin McHugh, it's been great uh, speaking to you and uh, look, we might catch up to you, with you again on the SSER Tristy Lee podcast here on News Talk. Thank you very much. No problem. Once again, thanks to Kevin McHugh for speaking to us there. Uh, there were several eyebrow-raising moments what in the attitude. course of that interview. Just a phenomenal attitude because, like I mentioned to him, I wasn't expecting to speak to him anytime soon no. uh, given the incident and given the severity of it. Uh, and B, for him to also say that he's back coaching already, it's just phenomenal and it's testament to the attitude of the guy it's just great you can't keep him down oh, genuinely when he put that picture out of his finger yeah. I thought um, McHugh's having a laugh yeah. yeah someone here is having a bubble yeah it's not that's not right I couldn't believe that the story was actually real yeah it's uh, yeah scary 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 stuff and how great player to watch him. as well genuinely I meant that when he, he came was. on against uh, I think it was Derry I watched him in a TV game yeah. and I saw him come off the bench once or twice uh, this season in, in games that I was actually at he oh, well done, did okay. add a kind of a layer of confidence to Finn Harps when he came off the bench and genuinely did trap the ball, control it, used it well. That can happen and it's the second time I'll mention him in this podcast but like that kind of Dave Mulcahy kind of figure whereby you might be you know slightly older than the rest of the side but ability to uh, to influence things from a positive degree in the pitch with a bit of you know bit of that upstairs. I pointed out my temple. It makes sense if you're watching this which you're not because you can't because it's not. Temple of Doom. Speaking of Doom Fixtures this weekend. Cork City at home to Finn Harps on Friday night. This in the Premier Division. Derry City against Bowles at 7.45. Shamrock Rovers taking on Dundalk. Uh, Sligo Rovers up against Longford and Wexford Udes taking on Galway United. Um, Dundalk actually playing a game as we speak, such is their backlog. <laughs> on Saturday, Bray meet uh, St. Pat's. And on Monday, St. Pat's take on Cork City and Longford take on Dundalk. Now, I saw um, Dodge tweet during the week yeah. that the 98FM League of Ireland podcast covers the first division in depth like no one else there's a reason for that it's because the first division is shite and I don't care so can I'm going to leave those fixtures to Dan can we just point out who covered the Shelburne story there last week yeah. who was speaking to was very well this was in one of those I think it was one of the better Oceanless pods it was one of the better Oceanless yeah. pods don't know didn't listen yeah. you know last week Shane Keegan and getting to the heart of the Shelburne move I interviewed Shane Keegan about three weeks into the season well done I interviewed him for the start season, so there you go. Either way, uh, Shane Keegan's class. He is. You, you actually couldn't have him on enough, unlike Dan here. <laughs> Dan, it's actually rather pictures? interesting in the first division because they're all concentrated on Saturday night and that playoff spot is still up for grabs. Four games at 7.45. Uh, Limerick, Two of them don't matter a jot. Uh, Limerick won <laughs> yeah. the league about 10 months ago, so they're on 72 points after 27 games. 23 points behind them is... Could we not have found a way to deduct them points to make the first division interesting? I've, no? Can I just say, I've just made this out. Like you take away like your best five results. I'll actually get kind to Kind of the, like when you're, like what is it, in diving or gymnastics? It's like the best judges results. Sure, oh, I want the, the best, best judges the best results. The, you were at the Olympics. That's, do, you, do you not remember how, That's right. how the diving works? Yeah. Uh, I've yeah just I don't ma- think Pat Hickey was diving, so Richie wasn't really following that. Okay, all right. Well, I've well. just... Lads, can I get through the fixtures? I've just made it out here looking at it. You Lim- started with Limerick. Nobody Limerick, cares anymore. Just listen. Yeah. Was it? Limerick won their first five games of the season. If they lost their remaining 23 games, they would still be a point ahead of Athlone. I just want to let that linger for a minute. Now, there are, you as we to. said, four fixtures. It's basically three into two for the playoffs. Strahada are on 49 points. UCD are on 48. Cove Ramblers are on 47. And even though Cove are on 47, they probably have the advantage to get into the last round of fixtures as they are away to Athlone. 
Drogheda play UCD so basically the winner of that game is guaranteed their spot in the playoffs Mm. Uh, that game is in United Park at 7.45 also Cabin Teeley take on Limerick as Limerick uh, say goodbye to the first division and Shelburne take on Waterford at 7.45 four games all Saturday evening at what time? at 7.45 it's a wonderful illustration to Limerick what they're leaving behind them to have to go to Strabrook for the last (laughs) game of the season to go see his lads look I I, I know I I, um, said the first division is shite and I, I stand by that statement because I just don't think there's any need for it it's the most needless league just get rid of it and put these teams into the Premier Division. We but need more teams in the Premier is, Division. That's a debate for another and day. I want to compliment the club. Wouldn't be a GA man without talking about league structures, would it? It's true, <laughs> but I want to. I do want to say fair play to Cove Ramblers and Stephen Henderson. He's an, he's an excellent manager. He's done a great job to get them into contention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great at Lone Town to still be alive as a club is, is a it? testament yes. and and a real compliment to the the people who got in behind them and supported them. Fair play to them. Um, Even Cabin Teeley coming out of nowhere to, to survive two seasons in the Premier Division. They're one yeah. of the best teams in South Dublin in the youth ranks. There, there's a lot to be admired about the First Division, but it's so hard from a neutral point of view to get interested in it. But like even looking here in and a in a eight team league, there's yeah. basically four different tiers. You have you have Limerick, thirty points ahead, just twenty right. points ahead fact, of everyone. The fact that it's an eight team league. What yeah. league has has got what decent league has got eight teams in it? The Allianz League. Different structure. Don't be a dick. <laughs> right? You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, but uh, wasn't the semi-final stages of the quarter-final stages of the Champions League once like that two by four team group things? The year the Rangers did really well. Am I making that up? I might no, be wrong. That's. I think that's right. And yeah. there's a reason why it was abandoned and we don't remember it because Rangers were in. <laughs> oh, that's exactly. Speaking of Rangers, yeah. who are Celtic against? Us Rangers who are no longer in existence. Christ I'm only messing what a horrible I'm not one of those to leave the thing uh, but yeah no there, there's a lot to be more like you mentioned about those sides in the first division for yeah. battling through what is just a turgid mess of a situation yeah. for, for far too many of them and a mess not of their own making and, and for the most part too and that's why is, can I say, that's why I don't think they should be in the for in the Premier Division because having Cabin Teeley against Cork or Dundalk or Derry yeah. would be embarrassing well if you had criteria that these clubs had to match it's called licensing yeah but if you <laughs> but you can up that licensing criteria. You and know, then you there can, won't be enough teams no, for a first well, well, then they're not adding anything to the league and they've no business being there in the first place. There are certain, there's a case to be made that certain sides are there just to take a box. And I don't want to isolate anybody here at all, but the mm. fact that they had to, you know, round it out to eight teams, the fact that a Shamrock Rovers B team were as involved as recently as they were, like, come on. A lot of these teams add a lot to the League of Ireland. A League of Ireland without Shelburne. A League of Ireland without Waterford. A League of Ireland without Limerick is not a league I would like to see. But three teams no. in the first division not having the best of times at the minute yeah. with the exception of Limerick who've been promoted. But just but three teams who have a lot of history. But just idling around in the first division is not going to do them any favours. Yeah. Because none, 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 none of the sides that you mentioned are liable to get promoted next year. But Grand Shelburne are going to get a free stadium in Deadwind. <laughs> it's a conversation I fear we'll come back to. Yeah. Like, I see your point, Dan, but I don't know what Waterford and their presence guys add to the first division both from a neutral point of view and their own now I know they have new owners and yes. I genuinely hope it goes well for them because I, I know enough people who support but the Blues but firebombing them out of the league isn't going to Limerick are the do prime, them any Limerick favorites. are the prime example Limerick yeah. were an absolute mess a handful of years ago they bring in new owners they get into Markets Field mm. They work from the bottom up. They're a community club. They've got in yeah. and now they're, yeah, even though they're in the first division, they're probably in the top five or six teams in the country. What's, what's most galling of that is there's, there's such scope for both Waterford and Athlone to do yeah. just that. We're not talking about somebody coming in and providing millions and building them a new ground out of nowhere and doing this and that. Sure, both, both, have perfect both, both of them have perfect grounds. It's just a case of going out there and doing a bit of legwork within yes. the area because Waterford's 
you know, they've got Wexford uh, to the north, but they have that area, that corner of the country to themselves. Uh, Athlone in the Midlands as well, ditto. I mean, they haven't got many Longford, uh, who else? There. Even you Longford's go, a bit of a schlep away you, from it. You, you know? go west to Sligo and Galway, you go east to Dublin. There's nothing else in between for the for Longford and Athlone. There's a, so many issues, but media coverage isn't one of them. WLRFM have always done a fantastic job covering Waterford United. Athlone Town seem to get a lot Midlands from their local offer, yeah. papers and, and, and Midlands. Cabin Teeley probably get a bit swallowed up a bit because yeah. they're in, in Dublin. Live 95, whether Limerick were... Live 95 sponsor Limerick are to the best one, haven't you? Yeah, whether or not they were challenging this year or struggling in previous yeah, years, they've, they've always, always been there. Coverage. Drogheda United, LMFM, okay, I can't comment there because I don't know exactly, but I, I think they have yeah. reports from every game and that, that in itself is a yeah, big thing both, both and when you have two teams in the casual area and one of them are in the first yeah. or one of them in the first division and the other are the yeah. best team in the country and, and Cove get yeah. an awful lot of coverage as well I was coming back up from um, the Cork Senior Hurling final on Sunday and the red big red bench on, on Red FM yeah. had an interview in quality in person yeah talking to Henderson, Henderson I heard that myself yeah yeah. so this is for can th- I say, this podcast was supposed to end five minutes ago and we've just gone on passionately now about the first division this is something that I think yeah. a lot of people probably think well, similarly of, and we should certainly take it up. My, my point is, the is there should be no first division. Just put all the teams into the one league and it, you're going to have mini leagues within a league. That happens in every league. Well, you weren't talking about putting all the teams into one division. You were talking about... Getting rid of the first division. You were talking about, yeah, we're talking about getting rid of the first division, but you, we're also making a case to be made that some of the clubs shouldn't be there either. Yeah, but if they can't survive, pointless. Get rid. It's a conversation we'll come back to. It's I not believe. a conversation we need to come and back there was to me thinking they can't you were, justify their existence. Why are they there? There well, was me thinking you were a communist. Well, here we go. We'll, offer them, we'll offer them the right to reply, but like, there's possible scope to reach out to Athlone or Waterford and you know, yep. elsewhere and, and Even see like, like in if there is a long-term plan. That's, I, by the way, I never said Cabinteely. You assume I mean Cabinteely, which I don't. I'm saying if you can go into the Premier Division and survive in it and be viable, then you belong there and that could well be Cabinteely. I haven't named any individual club and I didn't mean any individual club. My point is, is the first division is pointless. I, no one cares about it. It's not interesting and it's not doing the clubs who are in it or the league at large any favours. I prefer you when you talk about GEA. Is that getting worked up, isn't he? He is. I, I'm, I'm actually quite passionate about the first division because... <laughs> From someone who said sorry. the first division is shy. No, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about... quite the 180. I'm passionate about why it should not be there. Mm. It, <laughs> I'm not going to go into it again. I don't, I don't think... But I'm passionate about the clubs that are in it, if I you know I don't I mean. think you'll find many disagreeing with the fact that there should be yeah. one league. Um, yeah. The idea that there's a first division still with only eight teams and with some of them there just ticking boxes is... Yeah, it's something that needs to be addressed and fairly sharpish. And sadly, I don't think it will be. Look at Dundalk. If Dundalk can do what they have done, surely Waterford and Athlone and maybe maybe not Cove because they wouldn't have traditionally been Shelburne. big in the past. Shelburne maybe, yeah, exactly. But Cove could survive in the Premier League potentially, I don't know. But like, there's no reason why Athlone and Waterford can't do it, Dundalk. Something of course, to Dun- to. Dundalk have a genius managing them, which is it does help. quite an advantage, yeah. Anyway... It's something we'll come back to at a later date. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening to this uh, particular instalment. There's only a couple more of these to go, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much three or four. No, I've, I've completely angered you've myself out of it. I might come back for the cup final. You've burned that. You've burned <laughs> that. But you're already looking forward to it. You were skipping ahead the last five games of the season. So, down the cup final. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Son of a bitch.